Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hello, this is Hallie, and welcome to Ruined, a podcast where we ruin a horror movie just for you. And if you're already missing, like, you know, sort of the fumbling up top, the confusion, uh, of course, Allison is not here. Um, if you're a regular listener, you know that she um, had to temporarily step away from the pod, which we're all very sad about, but it's for a great, exciting opportunity, not for anything bad. But it does allow us to have some guest hosts come in and, in particular, cover movies that Allison has seen. Now, Allison, of course, famously doesn't care for horror movies, but she has seen, sort of through osmosis, absorb through culture, some horror movies. So we have a banger of a one this week. So I wanted to introduce um, a... I was going to say a poor Allison substitute, but let's be honest. I mean, Allison should be so lucky. Allison is flattered. Uh, joining me now is the very funny a comedian, a writer, and just all around very nice person, Josh Godelman. Hi, Hallie. Thank you for having me. Of course. Oh, my God. I love that you kind of negged me in the intro. Right. Well, that's what I do with Allison, so I feel like... <laughs> I well, Thank you for giving me the same disrespect you would give Allison. And I always will, and you should know that, Okay. Thank you. That means a lot. Whenever to me. you need me to, I will disrespect you slightly to your face, and then what? You'll wonder later. Wait, was that real? Thank you. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I, even if you didn't disrespect me to my face, I would be like, "Did Allie mean all that nice stuff in a disrespectful way?" And you'll never know. The mystery will continue. I'll never know. And speaking of mysteries, we have this week um, a movie that again appeal vast for all the time. We also will have to get into whether or not this is a horror movie, but we, we're going to discuss this and unpack this. The movie, of course, is 1991's The Silence of the Lambs. And Josh, I'm going to, before we get started, I have to ask, why have you not seen this movie? Or rather, how have you not seen this movie? I feel like I know a lot about it. Like you were talking about Allison having absorbed a lot of things through culture. And I feel like that's where I am with this one, for sure. Like, I know I could tell you many things about The Silence of the Lambs, but... I never saw it, and then everybody else saw it, and then there was never a good time for me to see it. Yeah. My my only comparison to that is I've never seen any of the Godfathers. I've just never really seen any mob yep, movie, same. and I just felt never – there's never a need to pursue them, you know? And it's – I'm sure I would like this as I'm sure I would like The Godfather, but there's just never a night – and also my wife, Maris, who appeared on this podcast with me – Previously, we were together. We were still together, just not on Okay, the good. I was like, wow, big announcement. We have a big uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. name That's drop. That's Allison's good news. I've got fucking news. <laughs> she does not want to watch this. She's started watching it, and she. this is what she said to me. She said that she could handle the scenes with Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. but the first time, and then she said, is his name 
Bad Bill. Well, and I know it's Buffalo Bill, but he's but a bad he is bill. a bad bill. He's one of the worst. He's one got. of the bad bills. Yeah. And she said that he was too unsettling for her and she turned it off. So, like, it's not, like, a thing that we can both take the plunge together because she has no interest at this and, point. And for you, are you someone, do you like horror movies? Like, are you do you pursue a scary film? I like this kind of movie. I like a creepy, suspenseful movie. I have a, a reasonably high threshold for, like, suspense and and tension, but I don't like gore. I'm incredibly squeamish. Um, as anyone who knows me knows, I'm a, de- a deep avoidance of gore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of movies that are just like, no, thank you um, for me. Yeah, and I will say this is a movie I, I would c- consider a bit more of a thriller, but it is threaded with mm-hmm. some of the most unsettling shit gore-wise that you can imagine in terms yeah. of, and it, it forms sort of the foundation of the plot. So it is hard. You wouldn't really be able to like skip over the the scenes in which that right, happens. Right, they're right, they're right, sort right. of pivotal. Um, but this is, I think, perhaps one of the most iconic horror thrillers, um, you know, in American cinema. And it won, it went on to win. It was, let me see. How many was it nominated for? It won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Adapted Screenplay. That's how much we love this movie. Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor despite appearing in the film. It's like a record low, right, for on-screen time for a Best Actor. It was like 18 minutes or something. And he really, you feel him throughout the whole movie. I thought it was very, it's it's very well done, as you will will hear. It's like, they he's there just the right amount. I think anymore, you're like, we get it. Okay, you're uh, you're a creep. You're a serial killer. Yeah. Oh, spooky. Uh, we get. <laughs> yeah, we get Sweet it. People. I will say, I I know we'll probably get to this later, but I but I, having watched the trailer, the trailer could easily be the trailer for a bad movie. Does that make Interesting. sense? Interesting. Well, tell me more. So I knowing what the the movie is about enough, you know, and watching the trailer, the trailer doesn't seem to bring anything especially distinctive okay. to the table. It looks like any 90s thriller mm-hmm. where they're like, she's a, a rookie FBI agent. <laughs> she's going to catch a real sick fuck. And the only way to catch a sick fuck is with an even sicker fuck. Absolutely. And like, that doesn't, I mean, maybe that is a novel in this movie, but at this point in 2022, 31 years later, it kind of feels like, oh yeah, I I know these tropes. And some of it is because of how indelible this one film mm-hmm. is, but some of it is, it just felt like, you know, a cop being like, you gotta watch out, he'll get in your head. And it's like, isn't that a line from every movie? Yeah, I right. There is something where it's like, this is a, a an incredibly well-made movie, but I, I understand it's sort of like, well, what we're really out here is to get perverse in their seat, and then and then sell VHS tapes. You know what I mean? Like right. we we yes, it looks generic for a reason, and the reason is we don't want to be like, oh, it's actually good. It's going to win Oscars. We want to be like, right, right, this right, is for the audience that this this kind of movie would normally go for. We don't want them to get bogged down in like the the feminist touches, like the yes. questionable, uh, extremely nineties understandings of gender and and sexuality. Sure. You know, and I understand that. It's just like, this is a freak show with freaks, you know? We don't want you to, like, question whether or not you want to see this. Yeah, that's such a smart analysis of that. Because I did, watching it, I was just like, yeah, I 
not that I thought, not that I watched it and was like, why is this movie good? But I watched it and was like, this is not a trailer mm-hmm. that signals that this is as legendary a movie as it right. is. Right, you wouldn't necessarily know. That makes total sense. Um, we also like to take yeah. a baseline scary. Josh, I would ask you, how scary do you find the concept of befriending a serial killer and getting inside their head? So... I don't know. I am very friendly. That's true. So this could come into play. I could befriend someone that wants to get in my head and and uh, and serial kill me. You may already have befriended them. I guess the idea is we wouldn't know. Who can tell? Right. Well, I mean, if so, I haven't made that many friends recently. So if so, <laughs> this serial killer is playing the long game. Yeah. <laughs> this is a guy who's, or woman, who women can serial Thank kill. Thank you. Yes. Uh, this is a person whose interest in my psychic downfall is not on any kind of firm timetable. <laughs> right, yeah, like, of. I'll get to it. I got other stuff, uh, other uh, pots on the yeah, fire. Yeah, 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 I'll break him down, but, like, work is, re- my boss is really busting my ass at work. It kind of reminds me, like, we, you know, people are always like, oh, wow, it was serial killer's cots, like, they were always the most normal person, and it's like, that is never true. Like, if you ask one more question, it's like, oh, right. yeah, everyone in Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment building were like, that guy is weird something is going on or like uh, John yeah. Gacy it's like he was hiring teenagers from his construction equipment like company to like buy bags of lye like it's like if you asked one question any serial killer it's like oh yeah you mean that crazy freak that no one wants to be in his house yeah obviously it's him you know well that's right that's the kind of thing too where the neighbors would be like quiet kept to himself and it's like Sure. That just means you know nothing exactly. about them. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think a serial killer is going to do? <laughs> like, top of the morning to you, off to do my murders. Yeah. Like, that's not, you don't get to be a serial killer when you're broadcasting from murder one. You've got to keep it quiet. Exactly. That's more of like a, you know, a, a spree shooter or something. That's someone who really wants to make, make a splash, yeah. you know? And that's not what this film is about. No. And b- before we get started, we always like to ask Based on what you've known against your culture, I'm assuming episodes of The Critic, you know, as a yeah. child, the the trailer. Yes, for sure. What do you think the twists will be in The Sounds of the Lambs? Again, it's a thriller versus a horror movie, so it's not going to be sort of be a, necessarily yeah. the horror reveal. But what, what do you think will happen? What, what's our third act? Like, oh, my God, that's what's going to happen? Mm. I think she's going to have to catch the killer, right? Mm-hmm. That is her mission. But I think she's going to get too close to Anthony Hopkins. I think you're right. And I think she's going to have to disentangle him from her psyche. Yes. I, I think you've nailed it. I think she's going to trust mm-hmm. him too much. Right. Yeah. Getting too close. You know, and that was, I watched the show Hannibal. That was pretty much like, day the first episode, you're like, that guy should not be doing this. Like, he's, he starts out at 100. And then it's only work. And then he meets Hannibal <laughs> Lecter. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, that guy should not be in the FBI. He's already inside the mind of a serial killer. You can see where this is going. Right. And it's his mind. <laughs> right. It's easy to get in the mind of a serial killer when it's your own mind. It's actually the easiest thing. When you're, a, right, when you're basically <laughs> a serial killer who, like, hasn't broken into the industry yet. Like, he's one of those people that everyone's like, you should be a comedian. But it's like, you should be a serial killer. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about it. Like, I've been to a couple of mics, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, like, at Thanksgiving being like, Doug, you're really creepy. You should try serial <laughs> killing. And he's like, everybody says that. <laughs> Why does everyone keep saying that? 
All right, so let us begin. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you the plot. If you want to interject, please do. Sure. So we open on beautiful, wet, gray Quantico, Virginia at the FBI Academy, and we see Clary Starling. And there's a lot in this movie about, like, being a woman in a man's world, and we know this because she's wearing a gray sweatsuit that's soaked in sweat, but she also has pearl earrings on. And I'm like, that's a woman. That's a woman I want to be. Yeah, she's not the girl with the pearl earrings. She's the grown woman with the pearl earrings. Oh, woman with the pearl earrings. Take that, Vermeer, you piece of shit. I mean, yeah, I think once you were like 30, they're like, no one even saw you. Well, they're like, women? What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) That's a woman. She gets called off of the ropes course into the office of Jack Crawford, who is the head of FBI's behavioral science unit. And we also meet her one female friend. And I feel like this is, if you're in the FBI and you're a woman, you got to have one female friend at least. And it's Michelle Buteau, as in every Netflix movie. Yeah, this is the size of Lambs, Michelle Buteau, uh, our dealing a map. (laughs) And we see, you know, we we see Clarice make her way uh, down into Jack Crawford's office. And of course, and this is like so many things where I'm like, is this how the FBI works? Maybe it did in 1990. Where it's like, they're like, oh yeah, Jack Crawford, stop out. So just wait his room. So she's just waiting there with a bunch of clips and evidence for the serial killer who's currently on the loose, Buffalo Bill. Or, or as Maris would call him, Bad Bill. And he's maybe the worst Bill you're ever going to meet. Yeah. One of the worst. I mean, there's some bad Bills out there. And I'm like Bill Barr. Bill Barr, one of the worst. Yeah. Some rough ones. But Buffalo. Buffalo, one of the, awful. Maybe the worst of the bunch. And she's waiting there and finally uh, Crawford comes in and says, oh, you know, actually, don't look at that stuff. Like, literally these graphic murder victim pictures. What I want you to do is I'm going to have you go interview Hannibal Lecter, convicted, notorious serial killer, and give him sort of a psychological questionnaire. And... Clarice Mm. is both excited about the opportunity, but also is like, Hannibal the cannibal, he's been in prison for eight years. Like, why are we going to him now? She already knows there must be some connection. We're we're trying to pry information out of him. But Crawford's like, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. We're just sending you, who again is not an FBI agent. She is simply in the academy, but she's at the top of her class. Sure. We're going to send you in and Mm -hmm. you're going, he's like, it's more of an interesting errand than a, uh, than a job. We're going to send you in and you're going to interview a cannibal. This is a heavy favor to ask of someone. Right. And it's, I guess it's like, sort of like you're doing me the favor. It's like, well, sure. But it's a hell of an internship. Yeah. But he's sort of a, he's a, a, what I guess the most famous Baltimorean serial killer is supposed to think like everyone in Baltimore is where he made his kills and everyone knows about him. Mm Mm-hmm. It's also, I mean, I, I'm not the first person to say it, but unfortunate, like, to be a guy named Hannibal yeah. who eats people. That nickname writes itself. I mean, and, you know, I've read some of the sequels, and they started trying to, like, back end explain, like, what his deal is. And I feel like the less you know, it's more scary. It's like, yeah, his name's Hannibal. That's yeah. already upsetting. And also he's, um, you know, a, a psychiatrist that ate people. Yeah. That's that's enough. And so he's sending her to the Baltimore State Forensic Hospital, and he warns her, you know, whatever you do, do not let him get inside your head and never forget what he is. And Clary says, well, what is he? And we cut to the head of the forensic hospital, Dr. Chilton, telling Clary, oh, he's a monster, a pure psychopath. I could not do this job. Like, I someone said to me, like, I have to go. I have to go sit in my car. Like, I can't do this. Yeah, that's so intense. Also, 
very unprofessional <laughs> psychiatrist. And this guy is incredibly unprofessional. And we sort of like the first one of the first ways we find out about that is he immediately starts hitting on queries. Who it's like, yes, she's an adult woman, sure. but like he knows that she's like a student in the academy. Like she's not, she's there alone, mm-hmm. which I also have questions about. It's like in my mind, if you're an FBI, anybody, you'd go in pairs, at least have somebody wait outside, you know. It's weird to just have her loose yeah. going in. Again, she's just like an intern. Yeah. She's like an FBI, the FBI's like trainee. And they're like, oh yeah, just go interview this serial killer, but don't let him get in your head. And it's like, wait a minute, that's possible? Really? How? That's what are you talking been... about? He already ate a bunch of people. What do you mean, get in my head? I'm asking him <laughs> questions. I'm going to his house. Yeah, exactly. And Chilton says to Clarice, yeah. you know, we get a lot of detectives in here, but I must say, I can never remember one as attractive as you. Will you be in Baltimore overnight? Because this could be quite a fun town if you have the right guide. She's there to interview a serial killer. This is not the time. This is not yeah. sexy. Yeah, she's like, this isn't fun. If this is fun, I'm a serial right. killer. She's like, oh, no. Um, Actually, you know, I have to go back this afternoon, but thank you so much for the offer. And he takes her down to the cells. And he says, you know, I've tried to study Lecter, but he's simply too sophisticated. He's not going to answer your questionnaire. And he sees me, Dr. Chilton, as his nemesis. And I keep him here. And he sort of talks about Lecter like he's his prized pet. He's like, I, you know, he's like, I caught the worst serial killer and I, he's mine. And I get to decide what happens to him. And Chilton says to Clarice, you know, Jack Crawford's clever for sending you a pretty young woman to turn Lecter on. He hasn't even seen a woman in eight years. And oh, are you ever his taste, so to speak? It's like, fuck you, dude. Like, this is, I'm trying to do my job. Yeah, that's so fucked up. Right. And now you're joking, but like, this guy eating you? Yeah. That's not, that's not cool. There's got to be, he's got to be breaching some kind of psychocratic oath. Yeah, I guess like once you're like, oh, I live the worst of the worst, so I'm allowed to treat them however I want, you then sort of just start doing it to everybody. Which again is not, I guess that's how you, right, 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 right. you know, you rationalize your own bad behavior. He's really the Harvey Weinstein of the yeah. forensic hospital uh, circuit, I suppose. I've always considered him that. And so he goes to let Clarice into the cell area and he says, I'm telling you why we take all these precautions. And he hands her a photo and he says, you know, years earlier in, 19, in 1981, Lecter complains of chest pain, and so his restraints in his mouthpiece were taken out to do an EKG in the nurse's office? Wherever you do it, the, you know, the sure. hospital. And when the yeah. nurse leaned over him, he ripped off her face with his teeth. That's pretty And bad. we don't see the photo, but you see Starling kind of, like, stifle her reaction to it in this great way. And apparently they, got, they, they were able to reset her jaw and save one of her eyes, but his pulse never got over 85, even when he ate her tongue. So, reasonably, Clarice is like, you know, if this is where he's at with you guys, maybe I should just go in alone. You know, like, you guys watch, but, like, don't come in with me if he already fucking hates right. you guys. There's some baggage yes. in this relationship. Exactly. And so he allows her, but he's like, oh, you could have told me that upstairs. And again, Clarice, as a woman in this man's world, keeps having to be like, turn on the charm. And so she's like, well, if I told you upstairs, I wouldn't have had the pleasure of your company all the way down here. And that sort of like sedates him. And it's sort of like her struggling to be like, oh, yeah, when do I have to pretend? Like, am I the woman here? Like, am I being put into that position? Yeah. And also, it's, but it's like. Oh, oh, sorry, I made you walk down some stairs, asshole. Yeah, get your steps in, Jesus. Yeah, right. So Barney the orderly uh, takes her in, and he's like, oh, I put a folding chair in front of his cell. His cell's on the at the end of the cell block. So she has to walk past every other inmate, inmate to the folding chair. And as they walk down, it's like one guy, one minute, it's like, hi, how's it going? Another guy doesn't say anything. And then there's 
the inmate multiple MIGs, apparently, apparently, I'm assuming from the multiple murders he's committed, and he hisses at Clarice, I can smell your cunt. That's not a nice thing to say. It's just, and also, no, he can't. I find that very hard to believe. It's disrespectful, and he's embellishing. I don't know what's worse, the disrespect or the dishonesty. Right, exactly, he's a liar and he's rude, and she's easily 12 feet away, so. Yeah. So finally, she gets to Lecter's, Lecter's cell, and he's, she sits down, and he, uh, one, one of the many trivia moments about, uh, like, these scenes are, um, at no point does Anthony Hopkins blink in any of these scenes. Like, he's staring at her the entire time, and it's cut in such a way that he doesn't ever Whoa. blink. And it's very effective. He's terrifying. Yeah. And he immediately clocks her. He's like, oh, you're one of Jack Crawford's students. He said you in here. Why would he send you in here with nothing? You are, look at you. Like, he's immediately like, why would he send me a trainee? And Clarice, you know, adroitly is like, you know, I'm actually here to learn from you. I have this questionnaire and you can tell me if I'm qualified enough to do that. Like, just like, oh, okay. I appreciate it. Like, you're coming at me with the same, like, I don't know, like acumen that I'm approaching you. Yeah, kind of a professional courtesy. Yeah, but then, of course, he says, what did Miggs say to you? And she has to say, I can smell your cunt. And Lecter says, I myself cannot, which I appreciated that, you know, like, calming her down. Don't worry. A gentleman. (laughs) Also, (laughs) I feel like the difference between telling a woman that you kind of just met, I can smell your cunt versus I can't smell your cunt, the, like, rudeness difference is marginal. Well, the fact you're even bringing up it all is devastating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It just seems like, hey, that's not what we're here to talk about, man. And so, but then he also, he sniffs the air and he says, you use Evian skin cream and sometimes you wear Rare de Ton, but not today. And it's like, all right. Oh, okay. We get it. You're creepy. Sure. You're a serial killer, but you also have like yeah. super smelling powers. And yeah. Clarice sort of, again, pivots. She's like, oh, you've done all these drawings. And he tells her, yes, I, I draw the Duomo in Florence. Like, drawings are sort of all I have. I draw from memory. You know, I don't have a view here. You know, I'm in a basement. I, I don't have, a, I can't draw what I see. And Clarice sort of is like, huh, well, maybe you'd care to lend us your view on this questionnaire. And he's like, oh, you were doing so well. You were so courteous and clever. And now this ham-fisted segue. And that's, like, devastating, too, where it's like, yeah, you're a serial killer, but also you're just, like, reading me to filth on, like, every part of, like, how I'm trying to interact, do my job, basically. He's got kind of, like, a a drag queen's ruthlessness. He absolutely does. And he has this, like, such an arch. Like, he's seeing everything. And there's also a moment where he looks directly in the camera. And that was intentional. Because it's sort of supposed to be, like, he's seeing everything, even that this is a movie. Which I thought was, like, a very clever way to, like, oh, okay, he sees me, you know? And so, mm-hmm. Electra's so dummy. He's like, you know, Crawford must be busy hunting that Buffalo Bill. That's why he would send you, you know? Like, do you know why he's called Buffalo Bill? And I'm going to tell you why, Josh. And I'm going to ask you, do you understand this? Okay. And Clarice is like, well, it was okay. a ba- bad police joke. They call him Buffalo Buffalo Bill because they said he skins his humps. I don't understand that. So, I'm like, I guess the Buffalo, they skinned it. And I guess Buffalo have humps. And we're assuming that he has sex with his victims. But that's, I guess maybe it's a police thing. Oh. I guess, right? Sure. I've heard that a million times and I'm like, I guess. That's like a real, a real stretch. It's a thinker. It's a thinker, which is, I would imagine a police nickname would mostly, would take you there usually. Yeah. I mean, we've got Buffalo Bill because he skins his humps and Hannibal the cannibal. Right. Because that it feels right. Like that hits exactly like you wanted to. And, and. 
Lecter yeah. says, you know, do you know why Buffalo Bill removes their the victim's skin? And Clear says, well, it must excite him. You know, like most serial killers keep trophies from their victims. And Lecter says, well, you know, I didn't. And Cleary says, well, no, you didn't. You you ate yours. And Lecter has, sort of has her send over the questionnaire. There's like a drawer mechanism. So like they never touch. So she sends it through. Sure. And he gives her a wig. And then he starts doing her southern accent back at her, which apparently Anthony Hopkins, like, um, improvised. So when it happened, apparently Judy Foster's like, oh, no, he's making fun of my accent, which is also not great, I don't think. Mm. You're so ambitious, aren't you? Do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube. A well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition's given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor wire trash, are you, Agent Starling? And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed, pure West Virginia. What is your father to you? Is he a coal miner? Does he stink of the land? You know how quickly the boys found you, all those tedious, sticky fumblings in the backseats of cars, while you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the end. So Curtis is like, oh, no, he's like completely laid yeah, me bare. He's good. He read me as soon as I walked in here. He's good. He saw my bag and my cheap shoot. If he didn't want to eat people, he would be an incredible mentalist. And like he could have had a Las Vegas. Show. And I'm sure he was a great psychiatrist until again he started eating up. Not just simply his clients, but many of his clients, as we'll find out. Yeah. And so, you know, she's like, well, you know, I mean... You see a lot, but can you point that high-powered perception back at yourself? And he throws the questionnaire back at the door and slides it back. And that's what he says. And this is, to me, like, one of the most iconic, like, late-night joke lines. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. And he yeah. does the shoop, 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 shoop. And that was ad-lib, too, right? That yes. I'd read that somewhere. And it's, it's just, it's incredible. They didn't write. How would you? In this script. Yeah, how would? Now I guess we would know how. Yeah. They, they had a molecular thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you. You wouldn't do it phonetically, like T H H P T H H P. Yeah, that's um very creepy. And he tells her, you know, fly back to school now. Sort of dismissing her, but fortunately, Josh, sort of the Deus Ex Machina of this film. As she walks out, we hear multiple Migs jerking off, and as he comes, he hisses to her, "I bit my wrist so I could die." Look at the blood. And then he throws his cum in through the bars into Clarice's face. And all the other inmates are start screaming, Migs, you stupid fuck. Hannibal the cannibal. And Hannibal, everyone's like screaming. And Hannibal calls Clarice back to the cell. And he's like, I'm sorry. That's unspeakably ugly. Like, discour discourtesy is horrible to me. And she says, then make it up to me by doing this test. And he says, I won't. But I would ask you this. Look deep within yourself. Clary Starling, go seek out Miss Moffat, an old patient of mine. And he's like, now get out of here. I don't think Migs can manage again quite so soon, so go. And all the inmates are like reaching through the bars of her and she runs out, fighting back tears and runs past everyone. And we see a flashback for the first time of Clarice's father. He was uh, a sheriff in her town in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And we see her running to him as he arrives back home from work and embracing. And back here in Baltimore, she's leaning up against a car, weeping. Josh, I have to ask you, at this point in the movie, what would you do? What would you do? Oh, boy. If you were Clarice. So now he's center on an errand. Yeah. And this is just getting out of control, yeah. right? Because it's like, she's here. She doesn't know what she's doing. 
she gets cum thrown on yeah. her, which that's a bad day. And then the guy, the only thing he gives you is like, go find this lady. There's no Google. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? So she's just got to find some lady because a serial killer told her to? This is a rough day. I think I would probably go, I would go back to the FBI and be like, okay, man, here's what happened. This guy wouldn't answer my questions. I passed him through the door to, like, the bank he lives in right. through the little window. He wouldn't answer my questions. A guy threw cum at me, and then he he gave me a riddle. Why did you send me to this horrible place? Exactly. That was my follow-up. Yeah. And on top of all that, the observing psychiatrist, very unprofessional. Right. I would be like, and also, my thing is like, and that's all, hey, that's all well and good. Next time, can you send me with somebody else? Can you send me with my friend Ardelia? Can we? Yeah. Can you send me with with Jack Crawford yep. or anyone else? Like this, why I kept thinking this yep. whole thing. I'm like, send yep. it with somebody else. Like they don't even if they don't go yeah. in, like, have a have a backup person in case somebody gets comes thrown in their face. The other person could tag in right. and do the rest of the job. But but again, she's in the FBI, so sort of like it's she's driven to do this. Like this is like what she has been built for. So of sure. course, this is only going to fuel her on. You know. And we see her back at the academy. She's letting off steam at the firing range. And again, like, she and Argelia are jogging along the river, quizzing each other on police codes, and a gaggle of other male students run past, and they all check them out. And in the library, Clarissa started studying microfiche of Lecter's crimes. And it's sort of like, he's killed at least five people in Baltimore. He was captured. He's been in jail for years. And Argelia runs up. Crawford wants to see Clarice right now. And Crawford tells her, Miggs, Multiple Migs is dead. And apparently the guards had heard Hannibal whispering to him all day. And when they checked on Migs at a bed check, he had swallowed his own tongue. And I appreciate class. Clarice is like, I don't know what, how to feel about that, sir. Like, I, I don't know how to respond. And he tells her, you don't have to feel any way about it. I'm just letting you know. Now, what have you found out about this Miss Moffat? I know, but whatever. I, again, the FBI. You ever, it's just like, you ever have somebody give you a piece of news that you're like, now I have to deal with this? It's like that, like, I don't want to share your bad story. Yeah, I always think that, like, when you, you remember when um, Rob Williams died, RIP, and they're like, they made a big thing about, like, telling Coco the gorilla. And it's like, why would yeah. you tell her that? Like, how she would never know. And now she has to be like, oh. Right. Did they have plans? <laughs> right. Well, I think they met a couple times, but like it had been years. So I think she had to be like, oh God, um, that guy. I like, she's like pretend like, oh my God. It's like, you mean your friend you brought that I like, I'm supposed to be have a big reaction to it. <laughs> like, I don't think she watches movies. It, and it wasn't like they were like supposed to hang out that right. day. And they're like, oh shit, Coco, <laughs> he can't come. And they were like, she was like, why? With her hands. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, he's, you know, his work came up. And then she was like, I think you're bullshitting me. And like, he's dead. You know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't like that. They were just like, oh, we got to tell this gorilla. Right. And I love that the girl was like, oh, yeah, this, right. This guy I met a few times, like a, fr a friend of a friend, as you said. Right. That's like, I don't know how to hold space for that feeling. Okay, I don't, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened. Yeah, the guy that threw cum at me <laughs> swallowed his tongue? Yeah. Okay. I guess now it's a second bad day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that I have to think about this all day. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. 
Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. So, yeah, he's like, Clarice tells Crawford, you know, like, I've been looking into the Miss Moffat person that Lecter mentioned. And uh, apparently Hannibal altered and destroyed most of his patient records. There's very little for them to go on. And there's no record of a list of Miss Moffat. Luckily, Clarice is a genius. And she's like, you know, the reference to looking within yourself seemed kind of hokey. So I know that Electra's from Baltimore. So much Baltimore in this movie. So I found a yourself storage facility. And they have a unit. And it was prepaid in full for 10 years under the name Miss Hester Moffat. Cut to Clarice, again alone. They couldn't even send another trainee with her. Prying open the unit at night while the owner, Mr. Lang, who's like incredibly elderly, is like, oh, sorry, I'm very old. And we can go back tomorrow with my son. And she's like, nope, I got to do it now. We got to figure this out. Because she's, in her mind, she's already connected. Like, this has to do with Buffalo Bill, right? Like, there's some connection here. And he's loose. So I can't wait until tomorrow somebody could actually help me. So she's able to get the door open and then crawl underneath sort of the garage door into the storage facility. Josh, we're talking dusty pianos. We're talking taxidermied owls. Multiple pianos? So many mannequin torsos. We're talking lamps. We're talking Ritz Ritz crackers boxes. And then she finds a hearse covered in a giant American flag. And when she pulls the flag away, we see sort of a a headless, well-dressed woman's mannequin a scrapbook, and, of course, a human head inside a jar. And yeah. the man is like a it's like a man's head wearing lipstick, like with a beard, lipstick, eyeliner, and fake lashes. And this is going to be our first time we're going to wade into, I think, you know, and, and hats off to everyone in the LGBTQ community and allies. Boy, have we made strides into even how we talk about anything approaching, anything regarding somebody not strictly sticking to like a gender norm because the way it's talked about in this movie is with such a level of pathology and like depravity that it's like i think it's at least now we could be like here's some thoughts where it's like and and in this case obviously it has to do with like a serial killer but it's like oh a man with makeup on well yeah of course it has to do with a serial killer it's like okay right we know that's not the case right it's it's like, I don't know, maybe he's a house music DJ. Right, exactly. There's a lot of reasons. So instead of going home, she rolls back up to see Lecter. And the Barney, the orderly, sort of ushers her inside. Which I kind of like, are you allowed to just do that? You're allowed to just show up? Yeah, it's at can night. You just visit this guy? And she runs in. She's soaking wet because it's trenchly raining. And she's like, Miss Hester Moffat is an anagram for Miss the Rest of Me. And she's like, that means the rent, the storage unit was rented by you. And I'm like... All right, I'll t- I guess. This is why I'm not the FBI. I'm like, does that actually make sense? But this, that's like a level of like Buffalo Bill. He always skins his exactly. humps a little. Like these are very like if if someone gave you this brain teaser, they're like, Miss uh, Moffat is they're missing the rest of me. You'd be like, this riddle sucks. You're not fun to do riddles with. And it does imply like if you become an FBI agent, you're mostly going to be solving riddles, which I don't think you are. I think it's much I bet more it's of a not. bummer. Yeah. 
Yeah. And she's resonant. She's like, that was your storage unit. Whose head is in that jar? And Lexus says, well, why don't you just ask me about Buffalo Bill already? And she's like, do you know something about him? And he said, Lecter tells her, you know, I might if you give me the case file. I might have some things to say. She's like, okay, well, let's break down, you know, who is the head of the jar. And Hamill tells her his real name is Benjamin Raspale. He's a former patient of mine whose romantic attachment ran to the, shall we say, exotic. Don't worry, I didn't kill him. I merely tucked his head away. Much as I found him after he missed three appointments. So the implication is that Elector went to go find out what happened to Benjamin Raspail, found his severed head, and then said, ah, of course, I'm going to put it in my storage facility. Yeah. I don't know why, but that that is what we're learning. It seems like the storage facility had kind of a, a haphazard decor at best. Yeah, and to be fair, if you had asked me to go in there, I'd say no, because I'm pretty sure there's a head in a jar, which I, I, I think you can tell from the outset. Yeah, 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 for and sure. And so Pierce is like, okay, so if you didn't kill him, who did? And and Hector's like, who's to say? You know, if it's the best thing for him, really, his therapy was going nowhere. And Clarice asked him, you know, he's wearing makeup. Raspel was a transvestite. Boy, that's a word you don't hear anymore. Yeah. I feel like that's a word that exists in 1991 and we're not using it anymore. And it was, in 1991, it was like the gentle word, Yes. Right? Oh, yes, exactly. Like, that's the word that you use to be like, Good day. Yeah, that's the classic. Like, yeah, and then now it's it's out of out of vogue. It's it's not a, a gender identity that you you hear a lot. And Lecter tells her, "Oh no, you know, in life he was just a garden variety manic depressive, very tedious. But he was, I as you can see, an experiment, a fledgling killer's first attempt at transformation. How did you feel when you saw him, Clarice? And Clarice is like, "Well, I was scared. Yeah, but then I was exhilarated." Ooh. I was exhilarated because I was like, I was finding, I was doing the case. I was figuring out what's going on. So again, she's opening up to him. Right. Solving that brain teaser. And when you open up to him, it's like, why are you doing this? Don't do it. He's a serial killer. Right. You were warned about this. Yes. He knows what your perfume is. He's too creepy. You can't give him anything. And also, he might be able to spell your cunt. He's just simply too polite to tell you, you know. <laughs> if he could, he'd be like, well, I'm not going to bring it up, you know. Yeah. They'd be like... Don't let him get inside your head or your vagina. Exactly. And Hannibal says, you know, speaking of, do you think Jack Crawford is helping with your career because he wants you sexually? Do you think he imagines scenarios, exchanges, fucking you? And Clarice is like, honestly, I'm I'm not interested in that kind of thing. That's the kind of sort of thing Miggs would say. And Hannibal smiles and says, well, not anymore. Like, all the dialogue is so <laughs> fun in this. That's a good bit. <laughs> and so, finally, they... Uh, Barney turns the lights on in Hannibal's cell, and we realize it's been, they've been off the whole time, and we see all of his drawings are gone, and there's a TV set in the hallway outside of his cell, and he's like, well, as soon as you leave, they're going to crank that up to 11 and just blast gospel TV all night. They took they put that there, and they took my drawings to punish me for killing Migs. And Clarence is like, oh, yeah, yeah, we all care about Migs. What did you mean by transformation? And Hannibal's basically like, look, look, here's what I will offer you. I want a room with a view. I want to be able to see a tree or the sky or the water. I want to be away from Dr. Chilton. I will give you, if you can give me the case file for Buffalo Bill, I will give you a psychological profile of Buffalo Bill and help you catch him. But I, that means I want to be transferred and have a better place. Clarice is like, well, I don't have to get you the case file. You know who he is because he is the one who decapitated Benjamin Raspail. So just fucking tell me who what his name is. Yeah. And Hannibal's like, no, no. In all good time, I've waited years. How long can you and Jack Crawford wait? Even now, Buffalo Bill must be wait looking for the next special lady. Cut to Memphis, Tennessee, where we meet Catherine Martin, another wonderful plus-size lady 
driving home, singing along to Tom Petty, the Heartbreakers, American Girl. Oh, yeah. And Buffalo Bill is sitting in a van in her apartment complex parking lot with night vision goggles on, waiting for her. Like, has staked out the place and is watching. So, when Catherine gets out of her car, she's got groceries, she sees Buffalo Bill struggling to get a love seat into the back of his van with a cast on one arm. Which is very famously a Ted Bundy move. Ted Bundy mm-hmm. did that. Yeah, that's a Ted Bundy move. Yeah, either a fake cast or I'm missing a puppy. Can you help me come get in my car? We're going to drive around and look. So, of course, poor Catherine. Which they tell children not to fall for that. But by the time you're an adult, you're like, they're not going to try the puppy trick on me. I'm like, five, six <laughs> or whatever. Unfortunately, Catherine did not get the memo. And so she offers to help him and she sort of, she's at the front of the sofa. And so she steps into the back of the van. So then he's pushing yeah. it in, so trapping her in. And sure. he says to her, are you about a size 14? Before punching her unconscious and then cutting Ooh. off her shirt and sort of turns it over. And we see, yes, size 14, the perfect size. Thank you. As somebody who is size 14. And I will say, this always fucked me up. <laughs> Representation is so important. In this movie, they are constantly like, oh, uh, you mean that big fat girl? It's like, okay, all right. All right, everyone calm down. Okay. And I do think in 1990, yeah, like the si- size 14 was the fattest anyone could imagine a human being being. And it'd be like, they're like, good <laughs> God, the biggest woman in the world, a size 14. That's... That's six or seven Allie McBeals. I know that was later, yeah. but... No, but I mean, that was... The, the 90s was... was It was like, you better be emaciated. And if you're not... Well, guess what? A serial killer is going to um, track you down so we can take your skin. Yeah, you got to be... You got to get smaller so that your skin is worthless Unfortunately, to so just as she's being kidnapped and driven away in the van the next day, we find out that a woman has been found in the water. It's a previous Buffalo Bill victim. So his pattern has been mm. he takes a, a person... He keeps them for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps their body in the water. And they're saying, like, that's the issue is that the water not only washes away trace evidence, but it fucks up our our timeline. So, like, the first victim was a girl named Frederica Bimmel. Unfortunately, we found her third because she's the only one that Buffalo Bill weighted down. So it's sort of like we're trying to build a timeline, but they're from different places, thrown in different waterways. One of them was tied down, you know. And meanwhile, we as the audience, we know he's already got his next victim, Catherine Martin. But because mm-hmm. Jack Crawford is um, has already sent him to see Hannibal Lecter, Crawford is like, you're going to come with me and the other agents to Ca- Clay County to see this sort of new body that has been discovered. And he sort of gives her the the breakdown. It's like, we, the bodies have been found in Ohio, West Virginia, and Tennessee. So give me a profile of um, Buffalo Bill. And Clay says, well, they're all white, so he's probably white. 30s or 40s, he has to own property because he keeps them. So it can't be an apartment. Though I guess Jeffrey Dahmer did plenty of an apartment, you know. It's like he needs a sure. place to keep them alive and then skin them. And unfortunately, he's never going to stop. He's got a taste for it. And Carver's like, that's good. Now, do you have any questions for me? Chris is like, yeah, why the fuck would you go send me to see Hannibal Lecter? Obviously, about Buffalo Bill, but not tell me. Like, why would you send me in there and, and pretend like it wasn't about Buffalo Bill? And Crawford said, yeah. well, if you'd gone in with an agenda, Lecter would have known, and he, he would have just shut down. So he was kind of relying on Clarice to be more vulnerable and more open with him, which, again, seems like it was a good play. But also, again, 
bad when you're trying to not have your trainee be lured in mentally by a serial killer. But he did send her with an agenda. Well, so the agenda was, quote unquote, to fill out a psych- uh, questionnaire. Yeah. Rather, exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. So it's like. There's only some agendas that he doesn't like. Yeah. Anywho, it all worked out, I guess. So now he's kind of like proud. But he obviously is like, well, Clarice is capable. So we're, you're going to come with us to see this uh one of his other victims. So they end up at the uh, a funeral home, and during the actual funeral, so they're sort of in the morgue area, and they walk in, and Crawford like pulls the sheriff aside. He's like, "There's some aspects of these types of sex crimes I don't want to talk to talking to in front of a lady, you know." And he takes the sheriff aside, and then Clarice is left with again the way it's framed is perfect, where it's like men who are at least a foot taller than her just staring at her. Like, she looks so tiny in all of these shots with all of these, like, different police officers. Of course, as we've already experienced her going, a flashback to her father, we see her flashing back in this funeral home to her father's death when she was 10 years old. Mm. He died on the job. And we see her as a 10-year-old walking down the aisle and kissing him in the coffin. And Crawford eventually calls her back. And she very politely thanks everyone for their tact and sensitivity, but then shoves everyone out of the morgue, and they're doing the um, breakdown of the body. And as you can imagine, it smells real bad. So it's just like they're constantly like reacting to it, like, oh, boy. Also, to keep in mind, this thing stinks this whole time. And she yeah. breaks down, sort of there's a gun wound to the sternum. She's like, this is not a local girl. She has three ear piercings and glitter nail polish, which looks like town to me, which I love that phrase. Looks like town. Her fingernails have been broken like she tried to claw through something. And she has ligature marks around the wrist and ankles. And when they go to take photos of her teeth for dental records, Clarice sees there's something in her throat. And uh, Lamar, he's just credited as Lamar. I'm like, the coroner's assistant? I don't know what his role is. He fishes it out, and it's a cocoon. But what they realize, it's so far back, it wasn't because she was in the water. It was placed in her throat. And Ooh. when they turn her over, they see two huge diamond panels have been skinned off her back. Oof. On the way home, Crawford's like, hey, I could see it really rattled you that I told the sheriff we couldn't talk particulars in front of her. But that was all smoke and mirrors. I had to, like, you know, let him know, hey, I, I'm in charge of the case. Don't worry. It's not going to be these ladies. And Clarice is like, It matters. It matters when you do this kind of thing. Like, cops look to you to see how to act. So when you do that kind of thing, it affects them. And I'm like, I appreciate that their relationship is such in 1990 that she could be like, don't do that. Don't fucking do that anymore. Because then they look at me like, oh, great, the ladies here. We can't talk about uh, this lady who got murdered. Also, it's like, it's ladies helping ladies. Mm -hmm. I would say that there's that famous quote, there's a special place in hell for women who don't solve other women's murders. Exactly. Thank you. I'm glad somebody's saying it. Thank you. Once they're back in Quantico, she takes the cocoon to the uh, resident entomologist, Pilcher and Rogan, who are both disgusting. And Pilcher immediately yeah. starts hitting on Clarice. Like, what do you do when you're not being an FBI agent? She's like, are you hitting on me? And he says, yes. And it's just like, we are here to solve a serial killer's murders. Like, give me a break, dude. But fortunately, they're able to do the work and they, they realize it's a death's head moth. And fortunately, as anyone who's ever watched like a crime show will realize, they're, they're just moths that happen around. You have to import them. You have to raise them from birth. So this is a very rare cocoon belongs to a very rare moth. So that means they can start searching for who is importing death's head moths. That, again, only the biggest creeps of the world, as I can imagine. Yeah. Just weird moths. We yeah. also get a clip. Uh, we started getting a glimpse of Buffalo Bill's sort of like kill basement. So he has like all these rooms where he has like a um, 
like a makeshift operating table and he has like a fashion, like he, he's a tailor. So he has all these different fashions and he has a pit. And from the pit, we could hear Catherine Martin screaming for help. And Buffalo Bill is at his sewing table nude while his dog Precious is peering down the pit. And Precious is a very cute little tiny poodle mix from, yeah, I know. It's not Precious's fault. No, this is Precious's fault. Yeah, Precious didn't do this. Bad Bill. Bad Bill. In the morning, Clarice and Argelia see a news report announcing that Catherine Martin has been kidnapped. Catherine Martin is the daughter of Tennessee Senator Ruth Martin. And I guess this is where Buffalo Bill fucked up. It's like, you were just taking normal girls. You took a senator's yeah. child. And now, like, the wrath, the government's actually, you know, going to come down on you as hard as they can. Yeah, that's... That's just bad. That's plain bad luck. Right, exactly. And it doesn't imply like, oh, I knew that was the daughter. Or, like, I knew she was famous or I was holding her for ransom. I He just liked the cut of her jib and her size 14 yep. ass. And that was it. And they're watching it. And Clarice goes back to Lecter's asylum. And at this point, Dr. Children's like, you tell me. I know this is about Buffalo Bill. I saw there was another kidnapping. You just tell me what's going on. I'm just not a turnkey. And Clarice is like, you need to get the fuck away from me. Here's the attorney general's number. Call them or, or let me in. I'm not doing this with you. So again, she even we see her evolution from the beginning of like, I'm not going to play games with you and flirt with you. I'm here to interview a serial killer. Thank you. Yeah. Clarice has arrived to offer Lecter a deal. And so this is with Senator Martin's approval. If he helps the FBI identify Buffalo Bill before Catherine Martin is killed, he will get transferred to the beautiful Oneida Park facility. So it's much nicer. He'll have a window. And then one week of the year, he will get to go to Plum Island and he'll be allowed to walk on the beach and swim for one hour a day under SWAT surveillance. If Catherine, if he doesn't or if Catherine Martin dies before he does, he gets nothing. And she slides it to him along with Buffalo Bill's uh, case file. Mm-hmm. And Hannibal looks at it and reads the map and says, Plum Island Animal Disease Research Center. And she says, okay, but that's just half the island. The, the other half is really nice. It's not a disease research center. There's, they've got turns nests. And Hannibal says, well, if I agree to this, it'll be turns with us too, Clarice. Quid pro quo. I'll ask you questions about your life, and you could ask me questions about the case. And Clarice is like, well, I'm already in this far, so I guess so. And then Hannibal asks her, what's your worst memory from childhood? I'm like, I wouldn't want to talk about that with a normal, a friend. You know what I mean? Like, or an acquaintance. I, the yeah. first thing out of a circular is about this, what's the, your worst memory from childhood? That sucks. That's too, that's too intense. Also, don't tell them. Yeah. That's like what someone on a first date does when they think they're really doing Ugh. something. You know what I mean? Where they're just like, I hate small talk. What's your worst memory from childhood? People who hate small talk, it's like, I don't necessarily want to get so deep with you. I don't know you that well. Why can't we talk right. about the weather or like TV? That's why we made, that's why we didn't yeah. talk about those things to begin with. Right. If you hate small talk and, and you're always trying to, like, I think that's a bad personality trait. Maybe you are always forcing people to have deep conversations with you because they don't organically come to that conclusion that they should. Yeah, I completely agree. Clary says, well, of course, the death of my father, he was killed like in a shootout by burglars coming out of a drugstore. He survived for almost a month, but then he died. And my mother died when I was very young. When he, my father died, I had nothing. I was 10 years old. And when she says, quid pro quo, doctor. And Hannibal asks Clary, was Miss Virginia a large girl, big through the hips, roomy? It's like, all right, okay. Roomy? Roomy. That's one of the worst euphemisms for that. You couldn't Ugh. have gone Rubenesque. Curvy, yeah. Uh, Zaftig. Curvy, thick with two C's. And they didn't have that back then. They only had fat. They right, didn't know true. that thick was a thing. And I thank God that we've gotten there as a society. 
There's so much progress we've made since Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, and I'm happy to call it out at every turn. Clary says, well, yes, they mm-hmm. all were. All every, all the abducted girls were on the bigger side, and she had something inserted in her throat. And Lecter says, was it a butterfly? And Clary says, yes, it was a moth, the same kind we found in Benjamin Raspeld's head an hour ago. And Hannibal's like, oh, yes, of course, a moth. It represents beauty and transformation. Our Billy wants to transform, too. And here's what we get into. We wade into some murky waters here. The gender stuff, sure. Yeah, Clarice is like, okay, cut the shit. And, but I, and you know, Clarice is like, there's no correlation between transsexualism, again, a term we don't really use, but transsexualism and violence. Sure. And she says transsexuals tend to be very passive. Like, this this to me is not like, oh, he's a transsexual. That, that has nothing to do with it or is not what we're talking about, you know? Hannibal's like, clever girl. After your father's death, you were orphaned. What happened next? And it's like, oh my God. Like, what amount of information am I getting versus how much I'm giving out? You know, I guess you just have to follow a serial killer's lead. Right. And his information was like a question, right? Where she was like, here's my worst trauma. And then he's like, was that woman large? And she's like, wait a minute, now I'm answering your yeah, question. Yeah, you're absolutely Still, right. This is a bad deal. That should not fucking count. She, he's giving her a raw deal. Yeah, that counts as an extra lecture question. Yeah, this you're right. It's absolute bullshit. And Clarissa says, you know, like, yes, I went to live with my mother's cousin and her husband on a sheep ranch, and I ran it away after two months. And Hannibal says, did the rancher force you to perform fellatio? Did he sodomize you? You know, why do you get the second question? Even if he did, Clarissa says, no, he was a decent man. That's not why he ran away. That's a whole other question, man. That's a whole other topic that you're like, you shouldn't have That's to work. That's right. Yeah. That's not a follow-up exactly. question. It's not like, yeah. oh, where was the ranch? Clarice, luckily, Clarice is like, nope, quid pro quo, doctor. You you tell me something. And Hannibal tells her, our Billy isn't a real transsexual, but he thinks he is. He's tries to be, he's trying to be a lot of things, I suspect. So he's probably applied for gender re- or sexual reassignment surgery, as it's called in the, in the movie, at the three major centers at the time, John Hopkins, University of Minnesota, and Columbus Medical Center, and been rejected. And Clarice says, well, on what basis would they reject him? And Lecter tells Clarice, look for severe childhood disturbances associated with violence. Our Billy was not born a criminal, Clarice. He was made one through years of systematic abuse. Billy hates his own identity, you see, and he thinks that makes him a transsexual. But his pathology is a thousand times more savage and more terrifying. And then you just kind of feel bad for Buffalo Bill. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. I should tell Maris, he's not a bad Bill. He's a misunderstood Bill. That was, I was calling through the wall to people on the podcast. Or listening to the podcast. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think, you know, hurt people hurt people is, is sort of what the takeaway yeah. of the Silence of the Lambs. I don't, but again, and I, well, I guess in the future books, we can discuss that at the end. You sort of like, well, why does Hannibal do it? You, of course, find out it's, it's something also equally as horrible. For the first time, so Josh, we, we are finally, we're here in Buffalo Bill's basement. And, the, and for the most part, we've seen him with like night vision goggles on from behind while he's sewing. Yeah. We see him for the first time and it's actor Ted Levine. And I want to, I'll be honest, and I thought this when I saw this when I was a teenager, and, I, and I'm going to say it again as an adult woman, Buffalo Bill's hot. Like, he's hot. And I'm watching this, I'm like, I, this is, I, you shouldn't have, serial killers shouldn't be hot. And many of them were, I mean, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, else I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers, which he wouldn't have been eating, he would be eating a human hand. He'd be in person, yeah. I would kick him out of bed for in person. Yeah, I would, yeah, for sure. Ruining the sheets, even. But there is something where you're like, a hot serial killer, and, and, but that also goes to, like, why would they be ugly? You know what I mean? It's just like, why? what, what is my assumption sure. about serial killer? But I remember seeing that, I'm right, like, it's a brain thing. He looks, he looks, he's hot as hell, and he's just like, he's got like a six-pack. He looks great. So you have the answer to his famous question. Wait, which is what? 
Isn't he the one? This is like another thing of just observed. The like, would you fuck me? I'd fuck. I me. absolutely would, Josh. Yes, and we'll get to that in a minute. I absolutely <laughs> would fuck Buffalo Bill. Oh boy. Oh boy. You know, I'd ask the same of you, but there's just not that many female serial killers. And Eileen Warren knows right. well. I'm right, sure right, she right. had her charm. You know, but I don't know if she's <laughs> she's coming out here with a six pack. So uh, we see him, and of course, this is a, another famous moment from the from the movie. Buffalo Bill is peering over the lip of the the pit at, at Catherine Martin, who is panicking and crying, and she's soaking wet in like a robe. And he tells her it rubs a lotion on its skin. It does this wherever it's told. And Catherine's screaming back like, "My family will pay any ransom. My mother's a very important woman. Don't do this." And Buffalo Bill's like, "It rubs a lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again." And he starts lowering down a little basket for her to put the lotion in. She's agreeing, I'm going to put the lotion on my skin. It puts the lotion in the basket. And when she puts the lotion in the basket, he starts to pull it back up. And as her eyes are drawn up, she sees all these bloody claw marks and broken off fingernails from the past inhabitants of the pit. Sure. And she starts screaming. And there is a moment where he sort of like almost looks like he's going to cry. Like he does feel bad. But then he turns back and he starts, like, imitating her mockingly, like, screaming back at her, like, in this, like, very insulting, like, bizarre way. Again, genius. Sure. Also, I read, and I, again, this is very allegedly, that, so, Brooke Smith, who played Catherine Martin, and Ted Levine, who played Buffalo Bill, may have dated during shooting. So, that's another interesting that's dynamic. That's so fucked up. I know. And I guess to, wow. to the point that um, Jodie Foster used to call her Patty, would jokingly call her Patty Hurst. So it's sort of like, oh, you got Stockholm oh, Syndrome, that's and that's why you're like, you guys are dating. Yeah, I love that. So back, that's good. Back at the hospital, Doctor Chilton is like preening and gloating, and he's got um, uh, Hannibal Lecter. He's sort of tied to the gurney, like oh, tra we traditionally see him, and he's got his face mask on. And he's like, you know, I called Senator Martin's office. She didn't know anything about the deal. That was the FBI. That was Jack Crawford and, and Clarice. That was a made-up deal. You got scammed for all that information. And he sort of kicks Barney out of the cell. And Dr. Jones says, there wasn't a deal, but I've made one with the senator with some provisions for my own benefit, of course. And it's basically the same deal, except he's going to go to a place in Tennessee. The deal is basically, if you give us Buffalo Bill's name, you can transfer to Bushy Mountain State Facility in Tennessee. If you don't, sure. or it's after Catherine Martin is dead, you will never see the outside of this cell again. And he's going on and on, like, oh, like I'm gonna like let you out the leash, you know, like you're you're I'm gonna allow you to do this. Meanwhile, the whole time, Hannibal is staring at the bunk, and Doctor Children has left his pen sitting on the bunk, and Lecter has just like zoomed in on it and doesn't even hear what you know Children is saying. Yeah. And Hannibal says, "I his first name is Lewis, and I will tell the rest to the senator, but only in Tennessee. So we're off to Tennessee. They are transporting Hannibal Lecter, essentially the most dangerous serial killer, in a plane to Memphis, Tennessee, Josh. It's like a one-man con air. I mean, and let, we all know how that went. It was bad. So Jack Crawford, really yeah, Jack Crawford gets a call. And they're like, did you tell a trainee to roll the dice with a fake offer? He's like, I did. I just felt like we needed to get the name. And like, well, the senator's pissed and we're pulling you and the other FBI people off the off the case. And we're putting Paul Krendler from the Justice Department on. And sort of like now he and Clarice are now getting cut out of the deal. In Memphis, Damn. Hannibal's brought out, strapped to a gurney, to an airplane hangar, surrounded by Dr. Chilton and dozens of other SWAT team members. Meanwhile, Dr. Chilton starts padding his jacket. Where is that pen? 
Josh, Uh-oh. I've got to ask you at this point in the movie, who will survive the Silence of the Lambs? Who will survive? Okay. I think Hannibal's going to survive. Right. I think Clarice is going to survive. Clarice Starling. I think Chilton's donezo. It's over for him right now. I think Crawford's going to die. Okay. He's too cocky. Mm-hmm. And I think Catherine Martin, is that her last name? I think she survived. And then, did you already say Buffalo Bill? Buffalo Bill dies. Okay, great. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. All right. So they're wheeling Hannibal out to meet Senator Martin. Again, it's like you're going to take a, a sitting U.S. senator to meet a, a dangerous serial killer. Again, the 90s, it was a crazy time. You know, we were doing whatever. It was wild. What's she going to do with the guy's name? Senate him? Yeah. And so, you know, Senator Martin's like, I have the deal. You can sign it. You know, whenever he's like, nope, I don't want to waste any more time. Like Clary Starling and that awful Jack Crawford is done. I'll tell you his name right now. His name is Lewis Friend. And Hamill says he only met him once. And he's referred to uh, Lecter by his lover and Hannibal's patient, Benjamin Raspail. And he tells them, mm-hmm. Raspail is very frightened uh, because Lewis had murdered a transient and done things with her skin. They ask for Hannibal for an address and a physical description, but instead, Hannibal asks the senator... Did you nurse Catherine Yassau? What? Did you breastfeed her? Now, wait a minute. Yes, I did. Toughened your nipples, didn't it? Oh, son of a bitch. Amputate a man's leg and he can still feel it tickling. Tell me, Mom, when your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? It's like, Hannibal, you overplayed your hand too much. Really gross. Very gross. Also, they're going to sign the deal? I know. It's like, he's a serial killer. He's going to be in custody forever. I don't know, like, what he's going to go back to the, I don't know. And that they're like, what's his address? It's like, I don't know. I've been in jail for eight years. I don't even know how I know about this guy anymore. Right, like, he murdered a transient. I can't imagine he's been, like, holding down the same day job and has this, had the same address for the last eight years. It seems unlikely. And then murdered his partner. Yeah. So I think he's in the wind. Also, I think we also understand, like, in my mind, it's also like, He's not using the same name. Like, there there ain't no way. Yeah. But they have his name. And Senator Martin says, again, every line of this is so good. She says, take this thing back to Baltimore. And every time I think of Baltimore, I think of that line. <laughs> it's like more of that. I think it's so chilling. Yeah. Even in the description of, like, the dehumanizing speech that people use in this movie, yeah. right? Like, it puts the lotion on its yes. skin and, like, take this thing back to Baltimore. It's, like, really, like, 
who's the person and who's not, or he's a monster, Ugh, right? Yeah, Which is, again, exactly. Unprofessional psychiatrically. And they're taking him away, but he shouts back, you know, a physical description. And his physical description is accurate based on what we've seen in Buffalo Bill. You know, like 5'10", yeah. athletic build, a blonde hair, blue eyes. You know, he's looking good. And they're all, like, jotting down really fast. He's yelling after me. He's like, he's the total smoke show. <laughs> Great skin. Incredible teeth. Ooh, arms. Eyes you can just get lost in, Senator. Basically, that is exactly what he's saying. And then he says to the Senator, well, he's like, one more thing, Senator. And she turns around and he says, love your suit. Because she's wearing, like, a pantsuit. It's just great. Is he? I don't know if he's supposed to be gay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that he is because it's Jodie Foster. I will assume that Clarice is a lesbian. This is what I've chosen to think in my mind, and and I can't be told otherwise. Mm-hmm. So they have now taken um, Hamble Lecter to the Shelby County Courthouse, and Doctor Chilton is out front talking to press. He's like, "Oh, this is all because of me. I'm so smart. I figured this out, and I brought Hannibal there, and now we're gonna save Catherine Martin and catch Buffalo Bill. Me, Doctor Chilton, I'm, I'm the best, best person in the world." But he's going on and on, so he, he doesn't notice that Clary sneaks in and basically sweet talks her way in to see Hannibal. She's like, well, I've been talking to him and working with them. They're like, well, that's true. And they don't sort of know the workings of it, like the local cops. So they let her go up to see him. And she, we can see she has a sheet, and she's trying to decode Lewis' friend as an anagram. Because, wisely, she's like, well, she the name before was an anagram. There's no way Lewis' friend is the actual name. It's going to be an anagram for something or a different name. And... The mm-hmm. cop in the elevator asks Clarice, is it true what they say? That he is a vampire? And Clarice t- turns to him and says, we don't have a word for what he is. Josh, Damn. they have Hannibal. And I'm going to try to paint a word picture. So it's basically a gigantic freestanding cage in the middle of a big empty room. And there are just two guards in the room, which is insane. This is a serial killer that you've transported. This is his first time out of his cage you know, or cell in a decade. And you're going to have two people watching him? That's very dumb. Yeah. And especially when there's a guest coming in. So Clarice brings Hannibal, like, I brought your drawings of the Duomo. And Hannibal says, oh, people will say we're in love. And Clarice says, I figured out your anagram. Lewis' friend is an anagram for iron sulfide, also known as fool's gold. It's a fake name. Tell me who the fuck Buffalo Bill is. And Hannibal's like, no, everything you need is in the case file. I, you know, tell me this. What is his nature? What is Buffalo Bill? What does he do? And Clarice is like, he kills women. And Hannibal says, no, why does he do it? What does he do even before the killing? What does he do? And he tell, and she's like, I don't know. And he says, we covet. He's coveting these women. And how do we begin to covet Josh? What's something that you might covet? I, I mean, nothing so much that I would kidnap it outside an apartment complex. Like a, a nice pair of shoes. And we covet what we see. So in this case, you see a pair of shoes, you covet. Sure. So we covet what we see every day. And he tells Clarice, don't you feel eyes move over your body? And don't your eyes move over the things that you want? And Clarice is like, we don't have time for this. Like, he, he's going to kill Catherine yeah. Martin. Like, I, these riddles are bullshit. But of course, Cannibal's like, no, no. Tell me about the sheep and horse ranch in Montana. So this is finally when we get to the, the Silence of the Lambs. And Clarice tells yeah, him... Yeah. One morning I woke up and it to the sound of screaming and it sounded like children and I snuck into the barn, but it wasn't children. It was the spring lambs that were, they were being slaughtered. And I tried to free them because I couldn't take the screaming, but they wouldn't, I opened the door, but they didn't know what it meant. They wouldn't run. And, but Hamill says, well, you did. And she says, I grabbed a lamb and I ran with it into the cold, but he was so heavy because she's 10. I didn't get more yeah. than a few miles before the, the sheriff caught up with me. And the rancher was so mad that he sent her to live at the Lutheran orphanage at Ed Bozeman. 
And Hannibal says, you still wake up to the sound of screaming, don't you? In some way, you think if you save poor Catherine, the screaming of the lambs will stop. Clarice is like, I don't know. I am not, I, like, maybe, but could you just tell me Buffalo Bill's name? Like, yes, sure, okay. He's like, hey, Jack Crawford sent me to talk to you. I'm doing this for course credit. Right, yeah, it's like, motherfucker, I don't, like, I need to go to an actual psychiatrist for this, obviously. Unfortunately, she yells, what yeah. is Buffalo Bill's name? Just then Dr. Childen and a cadre of cops arrive, like, get get her out of here. She's not supposed to be here. And they haul her out of the building. And she's begging him, tell me his name. And Lecter says, oh, you, you forgot your case file. And Lecter hands Clarice the case file through the bars. And you see their finger, he runs his finger down her finger. And she takes the case file. And she gets shipped back to Quantico. So now Clarice is out. And Hannibal's in this weird cage, and he asks for a second dinner. And the two guards are bitching about it, like, oh, he asked for lamb chops extra rare. Like, like you know, this blood drinker. Unfortunately, Josh, as they approach his cage, we see him pull out of his mouth the, the mechanism from inside the pen. And he slides it into yeah. his hand. So when they handcuff him to the bars so they could open the door to put the food in, he, of course, starts to take the lock on his handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And before they can escape, he whips his hand around, handcuffs one of them to the bars, and then just bites one of the guy's motherfucking face off, lunges at the other yeah. one, and is just hammering both of them, grabs a nightstick, and just beats the other one to death. Sure. In the lobby, Sergeant Tate is like the head of the officers. They see the elevator go up to five and then start to descend. And they realize, oh, fuck. Something is fucked up. They cannot get in touch with Sergeant Pemry and the other guard. And they unfortunately rush up there and they see Lieutenant Doyle, the one who had been beaten to death has been disemboweled and hung up like a bird in flight, like strung up from the top of the cage with an American flag forming the wings behind him. Wow. However, the other guy, Pembry is still alive though. He looks bad. His face is all bloody. He's the worst for wear. Lecter is gone. They're like, okay, he took the sheets. Maybe he's trying to climb down the building. Pembry got off one shot, which we heard when they're in the elevator Maybe they sh- Lecter is injured. Pembry starts seizing. So they take in the elevator, and as they descend, they look up, and drops of blood are dripping through a stain in the top of the elevator. And they realize Lecter is bleeding on top of the elevator. Or is he? Mm. He's not, of course. Ooh. They finally they get to the bottom, and they take Pembry off, and they rush Pembry into an ambulance. And they're, they go, basically, they stop the elevator, and they open the door above and they sort of just shoot him in the leg, but he doesn't move. They're like, okay, Lecter's on top of the elevator. He must be dead. So they open the hatch and the body that falls down, it's wearing Lecter's clothes, but it is not him. It is Sergeant Pembry, one of the guards. And just as we see this and the police realize it, the body in the ambulance sits up and peels off Pembry's face. It's, of course, Hannibal Lecter. He just ripped off Pembry's face and was wearing it, and he turns, and he just murders the entire crew of the ambulance. Cut to, we're back in Quantico. Argelia's running into Clarice's room. She tells her they found the ambulance at the the airport. The crew's murder, and Hannibal is gone. So they put on their jammies, which I didn't think was cute. They're their jammies, and they're, like, doing laundry, and they're putting their head together, like, how the fuck do we do this? And Clarice says, Hannibal told me everything that I needed was in the case file. So they're going through the case file, and they see a note on the map. And the map says, Clarice, don't these random sites, so the sites of both where the women were abducted and the bodies were dumped, don't they seem desperately random, like not random at all, like the elaboration of a bad liar? 
So Clarice is like, okay, so he's saying they're not random, but they must be random or else the computers would have caught it, you know? Even the bodies were found randomly mm-hmm. because the first woman abducted, Frederica Bimble from Belvedere, Ohio, was found third. Josh, how did they find where Buffalo Bill lives? They must have plotted the pictures. Is it like the pattern on the back of the moth? This is a great idea. It's actually so much less complicated than it should be. Basically, like, okay. what does Buffalo Bill, Bill do? He covets. How do we first start to covet? We covet yeah. what we see every day. What we see. The first victim must live in the same town as Buffalo Bill. That's Frederica Bimmel. They're off, or well, really, I mean, Julia should go with her, but they probably didn't pay want to pay this woman. So Clarice is off to Belvedere, Ohio to find out what she can find out about Buffalo Bill. And she meets up with Frederica Bimmel's parents, and they're like, yeah, like, she disappeared on a bus ride home from Chicago. She did an interview, and then she never came back. You could look in her room, but it's been searched a dozen times, you know? And in the lining of a music box, Clarice finds underwear, Polaroids of Frederica in, like, a hotel room. So I think we're told to think, like, maybe she was meeting someone there, or she went with somebody or was coming back with somebody in her undies. Yeah. And she goes through the family sewing room and finds a dress with two gigantic diamond panels on the back. Like we saw cut out of the skin of Federica's back. And Clarice runs mm-hmm. to the phone and tells Crawford, he's making a skin suit out of real women. He can sew. He's a tailor or a dressmaker. He's very skilled. And Crawford says, Clarice, calm down. We found him. We found him. He's in Calumet City outside Chicago. We're actually going right now. John Hopkins cross-checked their prospective patients with known offenders. And also, the suspect name uh, was came up when we they confiscated a carton of moths from Suriname two years ago. His name okay. is Jamie or Jamie Gum, and he also goes by John Grant. So you, we are good. And, and, and she's like, okay, that's like 400 miles from here. I'll drive there. He's like, no, no. We're going to find it, but we still need evidence to convict him of Frederica Bilbo's abduction and murder. I want you to stay in Belvedere and find out what the connection is. Meanwhile... Still in a fucking pit. Catherine Martin, who is the hero in this movie, has tied a chicken bone to, like, her um, lotion bucket, lotion basket, and thrown it up and has managed to corral the dog into it and then yanks Precious down into the pit. So now she has, Mm. like, something that Buffalo Bill actually cares about. He can't actually hear her because he's too busy um, dancing and putting his makeup on and, of course, famously asking, will you fuck me? I'd fuck me hard. I'd fuck me so hard. You know, and we've all been there. We've all been feeling ourselves. And uh, so she has the dog. And again, you know, Buffalo Bill dances to cue Lazarus. Goodbye horses. He looks good as hell. Mm-hmm. In downtown Belvedere, Clary's interviews Frederica's best friend, Stacy. And she's like, she didn't have a boyfriend. She would have told me sewing was her life. I used to help her do alterations for old Mrs. Lippman. And so Clarice gets Mrs. Lippman's information. Suddenly, back at Buffalo Bill's house, he finally hears Precious yelping. And he runs over and Catherine Martin has his dog. And he screams, don't you hurt my dog. And she screams back, don't you make me hurt your dog. Now get me a fucking telephone and I'll let her go. And if not, I will kill this dog. And this should not be a surprise, but I, it always catches me off guard. But Buffalo Bill has like a swastika quilt, like a handmade Nazi quilt. <laughs> and it's like, ah, uh, we got to make sure that people know he's bad. It's just a Nazi quilt. Okay, sure. Right, 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 right. Well, I mean, like, I I feel like it, it like, they're trying to, like, have it both ways, right? And be like, it's this non-conforming gender right. stuff. But also there's this other, like, it's not just, like, 
you know, Clarice is right, but it's this other stuff too. Right. But it's like, I don't know, it's still just like a pretty <laughs> wild way to portray it's, it's It's wackety dackety. And I guess every every book in this trilogy, it's like, oh, all right, I'll allow it. I guess it's conceivably possible. But just then we see SWAT officers surround the house and a fake flower delivery man goes to the door. Just then Buffalo Bill's during this whole dog saga, hears the doorbell ring. He goes up and he opens the door. It's Clarice. The FBI are busting into the wrong house and they explode into the house in Calumet. It's the completely wrong house. I don't know whether they're supposed to think it's like a past address because they got his name right. So I'm like, he must have mm. lived there at some point in time. Yeah. Anywho, he has moved into this house and now Clarice is alone with him. And she says, hi, you know, I'm looking the uh, disappearance of Frederica Bimmel. Did you know her? She used to work for Mrs. Littman. And Bill says, no, I don't think so. Wait, was she a great big fat person? It's like, okay, we're still people. Okay. Right. It's not the only signifier. No. Um, he's like, well, come in. I have Mrs. Littman's son's number somewhere. And she's, the, the place is a fucking mess. It's a disaster. And he's going through, like, dozens of business cars. There's a pit. Yeah, it's like, I don't see it, but I can feel like this place is a pit somewhere. Not a conversation pit. Like, a real pit. Yeah. Oh, I've got a pit we could hang out with. Oh, conversation pit? No. Oh, like a fire pit? Well, no. I could put fire in it no. if you really want me to. Mosh pit? Well, you will be moshing, yeah. Well, it's violent. It gets violent. Yeah. And so, uh, while he's looking for the business cards... Clarice watches as a moth lands on the table. It's like she sees one moth. She knows where she fucking is, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to be a moth expert. You know, right. <laughs> she's she's like, I've got a feeling this isn't, there's no, not a sweater in sight. It's just this creepy moth, which signifies death and a Nazi quilt. And there's just like, you know, there's takeout containers everywhere. It's a bad scene. So she pulls her gun on him and screams freeze. Of course, Buffalo Bill's got nothing to lose. So he throws, does this incredible move where he throws the business cards in the air and he sort of whirls out of the room and then down the basement steps. And she has to then follow him into his murder basement. That's rough. And she could hear, luckily Catherine could hear that somebody's there and she's screaming and and um, Ka uh, Clarice goes over to Catherine and is like, I'll be right back. I promise. And Catherine's like, you can't leave. Don't leave me here, you fucking bitch. Like, this guy's fucking crazy like she's losing her mind josh we see the woman's suit it's Oof. it doesn't look great it's not even half finished that's also what's fucked up it's like he has to kill so many more ladies yeah. in order for this to be to be made finally and oh so many moths and it's just an absolute disaster and as she's stalking him and he's stalking her through the basement buffalo bill turns the lights off and we've already know that he has night vision goggles yeah clarice is at a horrible disadvantage but luckily, in the moment that Buffalo Bill raises his gun to shoot Clarice, he has to take the safety off. And she whips around and just shoots him eh, six times and blows out the window behind him, killing him and letting sunlight and air flood the basement. Okay. And as we watch, there's a little wind chime with the butterfly spin around and around. And they're able, they're able to rescue Catherine. And, and Crawford joins them, and he sort of helps Clarice out of the house. Cut to Clarice's ceremony that makes her an official FBI agent. Is that graduation? Is that something else? I don't know how any of that works. Who knows? And both Ardelia and Crawford look on applauding her. Hooray, you're an FBI agent. You almost got killed. I feel like she graduated from the FBI with that. Right, like she should, yeah, like she should get to skip a cut, like whatever, like deputy. I don't even know what the next thing up is. Yeah. Everyone's having cake and coffee, and they cut into this, like, delicious, like, a um, cake with the FBI logo on it. 
And they just, it's so perfect. I'm like, I want to eat that cake. It always seems though, like you get the cake decorated like that and you're like, oh, it'll look so nice. Yeah. But whatever, the fondant, it's just like too heavy, doesn't, you know. Right. Just get a simple cake. But it does, though, I'm glad that the cake underneath sounds swell. It's, yeah, more of an aesthetic. And the bug guys are there because one of them is becoming an agent. And Ugh. one of them is hitting on Ardelia now. I guess it's like, well, you're a woman. I'll just hit on you. A couple of creeps. And Crawford shakes, clears his hands. And this is the first time watching this. I'm like, oh, right. He's her her dad. Like, he's her dad's surrogate. Damn. And Crawford tells Clarice, your father would have been proud today. And Damn. then Clarice gets a phone call. Josh, you better believe it's Hannibal Lecter. Of course it's Hannibal Lecter. She only knows three people. I know. And all of them are either serial killers or FBI agents hunting serial killers. You talk about when your friend groups don't mix. Yeah. It's like, well, Clarice, had the lamb stopped screaming? And she's like, oh, uh, he says, don't worry, I won't hunt you down. The world is more interesting with you in it. I wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. And as he looks over an airfield, we said the Bahamas, I believe, we see Dr. Chilton arriving on a plane. And he's hustling past. He's being let out by a security guard, essentially to go into hiding, to hide from Hannibal Lecter, because Chilton wisely is like, this motherfucker's going to come find me. Unfortunately, yeah. Hannibal Lecter is already there waiting, and he's got a white suit and, like, a horrible blonde wig and a hat, <laughs> and he follows Chiltern, and as he does, he blends into the crowd of, like, tourists and locals, and he just sort of disappears as we look on. And that's the end of the movie, Josh. And I would love to hear your thoughts, your questions, your feelings about it. I did a pretty good job guessing who would die. I yeah. over one, I overstepped by one. I thought Jack Crawford was going to die, but I got Chilton. I got Buffalo Bill. I knew Hannibal, Clarice, and Catherine were going to live. It, I mean, sounds like a good movie. Like Aside from the kind of problematic gender discipline, because it doesn't need that, right? Like, I yeah. feel like there's like an extra layer of theming of like, you want to be someone so badly that you, you, can't stand who you are and it's like i don't know just like just to have it be one thing less complicated yeah coco chanel speaking of nazi blankets um the coco <laughs> chanel thing of take one thing exactly. off. Right? you're writing a character take one kooky trade off which is uh murders because of gender not because of gen not that the gender thing is kooky itself the gender issue or identity yeah, I feel like this is similar to watching Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yeah. And then, a spoiler if you haven't seen that, it's been out for 30 years, where so the police detective is a transgender woman who is, in fact, the villain of the movie. And I remember seeing yeah. that as a kid, I was like, one, what? And two, like, what does that have to do with anything? You know, it's like, and then seeing right. you watching this, I'm like, yeah, okay, well, that's not why he's doing it. You know, it's sort of also like, well, he had to have big girls because when they, they kept him for a couple of days, their skin gets looser. It's like he wasn't picking one gigantic woman he could hollow out and be inside. He was taking little pieces of all of them that could have been any right. size woman. You know what I mean? Right. You're only taking little uh, little snippets, little little tiny like bits. It doesn't matter whether they're big or not, you know? Right. He clearly had no interest in efficiency. That exactly. wasn't the name of his game. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fetishism thing. It was definitely not a sustainable, a sustainable line of, of women's wear, for sure. Right, 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 right. You talk, I mean, it's locally made, sure. <laughs> locally sourced, but, locally made, hand-sewn. Hand-sewn. But it does seem like, you know, it's it's one of those things where the the task is like, you know, it's it's a hobby more than it yes. is a craft with him. Exactly. Well, it just is like, how does that guy pay rent? How did he, or did he buy? Like, it's like, he. I guess he's a tailor for the town, 
And, and I guess we're supposed to think like that's how he survives. I also wanted to ask, as, as we have to in Allison's um, absence, what are some fatal mistakes that you think some of the characters might have made in The Silence of the Lambs? Fatal mistakes. Okay. I think, okay, first of all, Dr. Chilton made the mistake of being unkind. Yes. That was huge mistake. You got to treat people like you want to be treated. Exactly. Even if they've they've bitten the faces off of people and they'll bite the faces off of more people. I think that's a big mistake. I guess like I feel like Buffalo Bill, Bad Bill. Yes. He bad, bad made Bill. the mistake of kind of picking victims willy-nilly. Yeah. Billy-nilly. Billy-nilly. He he was not careful. He he picked he found someone, he, he kidnapped somebody that Shouldn't have been kidnapped if you wanted to keep flying under the radar. That's a problem. And then I'm trying to think who else made fatal mistakes. I feel like everybody else is kind of on top of their shit. Okay, here, I'm just going to say this. And look, I love this movie. This is one of my favorite movies. However, the thing of it is, is that like Lecter knows the entire time who, you know, he has the information. And the way that Clarice figures it out with Ardelia is he says, oh, who does he covet first? Am I wrong to think that as the FBI, one of the things you would do is, okay, we have five or six victims. Let's go to their hometowns and do a little investigating. Because to me, it's like the only thing that did is connect you to her hometown, which I would have thought as an FBI. Where they'd already been. They'd searched it a dozen times. Yeah, so it's sort of like, does that... I mean, like, if she's the first victim, I it's like I would assume the killer was from one of the towns. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it could. Sure. And I guess that's what I think he was going so far afield to throw people off of the first one. But I listen. You're in the FBI. You know, like I, Elector. That's the only thing he gave her is a little clue, a little wink. I think they would have gotten there eventually, and Hannibal Lecter wouldn't have murdered a bunch of people in this case. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess the other thing was. They um, left the pen hanging out. Didn't do a good job of guarding Hannibal Lecter. They really kind of let their guard down yeah. in a way that seems unprofessional. Yeah, like, why would you let him stay overnight yeah. in a different city? Like, I understand, it, like, it's not that far. Tennessee to Baltimore. Fly him there. He talks to the senator. Fly him right back to Baltimore and put him right back yeah. in that cell, which you have been effectively... Put him in his, his bank vault. Yeah, like, why would you be like, well, we'll build a makeshift, one-night-only serial killer pen... For him to stay in, you know something's going to go wrong, right? You don't. There's you can't keep him in like a like an Etsy project, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, we threw this together. Yeah, we just got some IKEA shit and just like connected it. I don't. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's an interesting thing because it's not like many like horror slasher movies mm-hmm. in that like for most of the movie people aren't dying yes. at all, right? Like, there were some deaths that happened before that established uh, Buffalo Bill, and then there's a couple deaths that happened during the timeline of the movie. But it's not like people are being picked off one by one. So it's not like people making fatal mistakes over and over again. It's just sloppy police work. Yeah, and and I think that there is, like, it's sort of like, ah, the cat and mouse game. It's like, no, you were all being manipulated by a serial killer to allow him. Like, he killed more people in his escape than Buffalo Bill killed over his entire tenure as a murderer. Totally. He played you right. so badly. Huge numbers. Yeah, he's good. And he's going to be out there just racking up more. I mean, Buffalo Bill, again, did not prioritize efficiency. He yeah. was kind of slow food type 
You know what I mean? Like, he just, he took his time. Right. He was enjoying the ride. He was a process. Uh, it's you not know. about the journey with Buffalo Bill. Or not about the destination with Buffalo Bill. It's about the journey. Boy, yeah, you got me there. It sort of, like, reminds me, and we've talked about this in the pod before, but um, when Jeffrey Dahmer was caught, he's like, boy, thank God you caught me, honestly, because I was building, like, a gigantic shrine with, like, nine skulls that I would, like, worship death. And like, you, you, it was a good thing you stopped me because I, I had big plans for that. And I, to me, it's sort yeah. of like, you know, who knows to the truth of what, how we felt about that. But it's like, Hannibal Lecter's got big plans and they involve eating people. And he's going to keep go- doing that. Like, I, it, like, what would stop him now? And Buffalo Bill doesn't seem like, Hannibal Lecter seems like a mastermind. Yes, Buffalo Bill is like a guy with a couple of tricks. Right, he's got a van. He's a man with a van. He's got a van and a couch. And, a, and, a, and an absolute gorgeous torso, as, a, as we've established. Right, he's toned. Honestly, if you had to let one of those two go free, they picked the wrong one. Wow. Well, we're going to have you come have you come back and do Hannibal, because that's yeah. a lurid. I saw that. By, I remember seeing that in um, theaters, and it was NC-17. So it was like, I, yeah. but like, the way it was released, where at least where I was, it's like, I, I was 17, so I was old enough to see an R-rated movie. I could not see Cannibal because it was NC-17, so I had to have a parent come and buy the tickets. So my father came to the movie theater, because my, my father was like, you're 17, you sh- you're allowed to see it. Wait, why wouldn't, I didn't know that was the rule with NC-17. I thought if you were 17. I, I don't know whether it was because we were at like the height of like the, oh, movies are making people do violence. I don't know. Sure, like, sure, sure. They thought you were going to start eating people. Right, and I did. But I think that <laughs> I do remember that we because I went with, like, some friends from high school. And we all went, and we were all uh, 17 or 18. Like, oh, hell yeah, we're going to see this. And then literally I had to call my father, like, can you come there? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And he's like, this is the, my kind of movie. I'm not going to watch this. So he bought us all tickets. And he's like, I'll see you at home. And I don't know whether, maybe it's just, like, where I, I lived in Ohio at the time. Maybe there was some weird release thing. But, um... I'll be honest, that one is gnarly. So I feel like, oh, I guess my question to you is like, do you feel like you could have watched this movie? Like, was it too I gnarly? I think I could have probably. Yeah. No, I feel like I can handle like a few moments. I just can't, like when it's the the kind of point of the thing is like, look at all these people getting shredded up. Exactly. That's that's not for me. But I can handle like a few moments of like, ooh, yikes, that's going to stick with me. Yeah, and and the horror movie version of this is you're with Catherine Martin the whole time. You wake yes. up in a pit and you have to figure out your way out. That's the horror movie. Right, and then occasional cutaways to Clarice solving the crime. <laughs> right, yeah. All right, great. And then finally, all we have to do is rate the movie on the spooky scale of Josh where would you put The Silence of the Lambs on the spooky scale, which is, of course, one to ten screams? A spooky scale. I'm going to go seven screams. Seven screams. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm Hannibal Lecter doesn't scare me that much because he's, like, smarter than most, basically, people yeah. get. But, like, just a guy murdering women with a van... That's very spooky because that happens. Yeah, I agree. Like, there's something like you know, I love a ghost movie, ghost tale of of any kind. But yeah, this there is unfortunately there's a guy right now probably doing this. You know, like yeah, I think we have less serial killers. I, I think that they said b- b- than we had in like the seventies around there. But unfortunately, we still got some. And there, this is exactly yeah. what they're up to, just making plans yep. that none of us can really plan for. Other than, yep. you know, keep it tight. You know, don't be a size 14. Someone's absolutely going to turn you into a suit. But then there's probably a guy that's like, 
Oh I'm, yeah. I'm the size two killer. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. He's gonna want a little slender lady. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You can't. I want to use. Your, I want to make your bones into toothpicks. Oh boy. Oh brother. Your little bird bones. <laughs> yeah. You can't win for losing. I tell you, ladies. Mm-mm. I'm gonna give this. Mm-mm. I'm gonna give this a seven too, uh, or seven as well. Because I find it scary, but I think because it is a thriller, because you spend so much time with Clarice, who is not immediately in danger until the very end. Right. It's not it, It's not horrifying in the way that a horror movie is, but 10 out of 10 in terms of how much I love this fucking movie. What an absolute great movie. And thank you so much for letting me ruin it for you, Josh. Thank you for ruining it for me, Hallie. So nice to see you. You're the best. Do you want to plug anything? What? what where can people find you or, or, or see you in? Jesus and Marrow on Showtime is back uh, Thursdays at 11 on Showtime. Great. If you want to watch that. I work there, not just a fan. And I'm doing <laughs> some stand-up out and around. And so joshgondelman.com. I have, I'm going on the road a little bit. I'm going to be in Vermont uh, May 20th and 21st at the Vermont Comedy Club. And a couple other little little road things here and there. So I'm That very, sounds great. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Awesome. All right, great. Well, thanks again, Josh. And we will keep it going until Allison deigns to return to us. And um, if not, well, we'll see what happens to her. Okay. I've got a conversation pit. I'd like to have a conversation (laughs) with her. (laughs) Like that. Just come into my pit. We're just here for some conversation. Yeah, every pit's a conversation pit when I'm in it. All right, Josh, (laughs) thanks again. And guys, uh, until next time, please keep it spooky. spooky. Thank you. I was going to say stay spooky. spooky. (laughs) Stay spooky. No, that's good too. They mean the same thing. Stay spooky, guys. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.